0: In 1939, as the men headed out to Europe to fight in the Second World War, more women took up roles in the fields. I'm Alex Black and I have with me our very own Features Editor, Emily Ashworth, who's just had her first book published about the Land Girls. So Emily, just tell me a little bit first of all, give me a brief overview of the book.
1: Um, Yes. Hello, Alex. And uh, this feels slightly weird being on the other end of this interview. So I'm going to try my best to get through it. Um, Yeah. So the book is all about the Women's Land Army, which these women were an incredible force during both World War I and World War II. They essentially took the places of men in the British countryside who had gone away to war and there was obviously nobody left to farm. These women took on the farming roles and essentially turned Britain's food production on its head and my book uh, The Land Army's Lost Women is more of a sentimental look at you know the lives of these women Um, and it's a collection of personal memoirs from members of the WLA with everything from romance to friendship the love of the land farming and those kind of real personal stories so it's a bit of a different book. And it's obviously something that you're really passionate about just tell us a little bit about what sparked your passion for it. If I'm being completely honest, I've always been like a history geek, and the you know my farming connection is on my grandma's side. My grandma Vera Ashworth, she grew up in Liverpool. Apparently, she had fiery red hair, and um, she was known for having quite a sharp tongue. Uh, she studied fashion, and then obviously the outbreak of war happened. So she was conscripted, as many women were, and she was sent to the heart of the British countryside with no real prior experience to farming but actually that was the turning point for her she ended up you know marrying my granddad Jim on a dairy farm in Lancashire and that was that was her life from then on and a lot of these women that you spoke to have they got a similar story then to your grandmothers loads of them what's nice about this book actually is that each memoir you know is incredibly different but there are kind of themes throughout all the memoirs that kind of connect them all I think the biggest thing to know is that a lot of these women had never seen a cow before. They had, you know, never stepped even a toe out in the countryside. And a lot of them did give up. There's there's a couple of references in the book to, you know, how they were kind of called townies, you know, people from outside of farming. So, yeah, many, many came from a non-farming background and just as many stayed, just like my grandma, really. And it, it was nice to actually speak to them because you know we see it now don't we that people have no idea about farming but actually once they experienced it and you can imagine what that actually meant during World War II back in the 40s like it was all kind of manual work it was much more hands-on than it is today but despite all that and despite what was going on they actually found a real passion for farming and for the countryside which I think is a really lovely aspect You say that about the
0: disconnect with with farming from the towns and the cities but I suppose it was even more sharp for these women. We've got obviously programmes on the television and things that we watch of farming and I suppose that access to the countryside that they wouldn't have really had in the 1940s
1: otherwise. Absolutely not. I think the other side of it actually as well though if you probably went on holiday you probably would go on holiday in the British countryside during that period of time but to actually experience hands-on farming and under what has been described as quite dire circumstances sometimes um not everybody was placed with a a welcoming farmer or farming family either but yeah there was no chance really well there was no chance for for people to experience farming I guess if you weren't from a farming background but the flip side of that is actually people were a lot more connected to food and the seasons so there's there's two sides really and obviously it's quite a few years now from the war and more and more of
0: these people, you know, they're not around to tell their stories. How important is it for you that these stories are written down for, you know, your children and your children's children to understand what went on
1: in the war? Huge. You know, we are coming to a time now where all we are going to be left with is stories. And what we've seen over the recent years with the pandemic and the war in Ukraine is that we're seeing a lot of similarities. And if we don't learn from these stories of the past then there's there's not there's no chance that we can kind of move forwards but it's interesting in terms of farming as well to capture you know this period of time that actually in a short in a short space of time has changed really rapidly we call it recent history don't we really world war 2 and when you look at the amount of change in the industry it's absolutely incredible and just you know in terms of kind of parallels between the, these two times we ne- we you know, we know that at present there's probably more women than ever in farming. And the last time that happened was probably World War Two. So I think it's really important to kind of connect all these dots along our farming history to ensure that obviously kind of we can move forwards.
0: And what was the reaction of the women that you were speaking to about getting their story across? Were
1: they keen to, to speak to you and to get that put down? I'm not going to lie. Sometimes it was a little bit heartbreaking. The other, you know, there's a group of women who kind of feel like they were never recognised, and one particular interview, because obviously all these stories were captured from women who were, who were alive, they were, you know, kindly given to me from families after, you know, these women had obviously previously written their stories down, but from the, the women that I got to personally speak to and have the privilege of speaking to, one of them finished the interview and we went to have a photograph And she grabbed my hand and she, it was like, you know, one of those moments that you don't forget. Like she, she grabbed it so hard and she looked in, looked directly in the, you know, in my eyes and said, please. She said, nobody ever said thank you and nobody ever recognised us. Please make sure that we aren't forgotten. And that was, that's always stuck with me. And then you get the other group of women who still dress up in their land army uniform and they have all the badges and they go to like every parade going um, and every reunion going. So there's, there's, there's two sorts of feelings, but I think it's important just to note that the women's land army were excluded from a lot of post-war benefits. They didn't get any post-war payments and they weren't allowed to walk in the remembrance parade until I think it was 2010. That recognition hasn't been there Um, and I think that's something that this book can maybe do by kind of tapping into the more emotional side of what these women were doing and how they felt and the friendships that they formed and that sort of thing. And what was kind of the biggest thing
0: that you took away from these interviews and that you learnt about what went on and and
1: what we should be looking at in our own lives? Loads of things but the main one I think is that kind of ability to put your best foot forward forward despite the situation that you're in and be able to kind of sacrifice for a greater cause you can see what that kind of attitude did because you know we we were in that period of time in world war Two, we were at a real uh it was, it was a tipping point we weren't getting any food you know brought into the country because of german blockades we were at threat of having no food food security was obviously you know completely obliterated so we went from kind of shipping i think it was 60 percent of our food in to then the land girls basically reversing that and that's obviously not you where you hear the kind of grow your own theme come into play so i think that's huge and that was only done because these ladies had like wills of steel and determination and despite the hardships that they actually faced they you know to put it quite simply they they cracked on with it and got the job done and I think we have a tendency to shy away from these traits in women that might seem overbearing but actually we should be really proud of them. And obviously you see your name in newsprint pretty much every week here at Farmer's Guardian
0: (laughs) but how does it feel seeing you know having the physical book in your hands and seeing that
1: I suppose on the shelf at the bookstore? I cannot wait to go into a bookstore and literally buy every single copy that's on the shelf and go to the checkout and be like, that's me. (laughs) I don't think anything's ever going to beat that feeling. But for me, it's just these women, their families have touched my life. That will be with me forever. And I hope that I'm, you know, they feel the same about me because we know that in farming, you look back at our history and it's incredible. It's incredibly rich. We are an industry that's been made up of generations upon generations of people who all have this intrinsic connection to the land, and that's what it's all about. It's about pres- preserving these stories and this history for people in the future. And if I can play a little part in that, then I'll be happy. And hopefully, there might be people listening to this or, or reading FG that
0: you know maybe descendants of of the land girls that that stayed on the land or or similar, you know, would you reach out to them to um, speak to you and, you know, share their
1: stories if they have got them to share? Absolutely. I think anything that we can do to, you know, to preserve our histories is really important. Um, But I think it can also make you appreciate the the here and now. Some of these women, you know, they had to tie special ties around the pants to stop the rats crawling up it, or they had blisters across their hands from literally, you know, picking turnips and things out of the ground in frozen ground slicing it off with when you look at it a contraption that looks something out of you know medieval like the conditions were hard it's so different so I think just to kind of look back see what people went through it just puts it all into perspective and it also makes you really proud to be in this industry what were the women doing? I know it would be different
0: probably for everyone you spoke to, but what give us an idea of what they were doing before they were, you know, on the land picking turnips or whatever. What were they doing in the cities?
1: There was various, various types of jobs. Um, there was nurses, nurses in, you know, heavily bombed cities and they just thought, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Quite a lot of them actually, which was quite surprising to me, wanted to be a land girl. There was one who was like, I was... That's all I ever wanted to do, Um, and you know they lied about their age to be able to actually join up and be a land girl. So some of them are really quite young. People like my grandma, she was in fashion. She never quite lost that passion for that, I don't think. She would regularly tell me if she liked what I was wearing or not. But yeah, there was also secretaries, people from the West End as well. I didn't speak to somebody who, who came from the West End, but there was a lady who said she was kind of clubbed together with miners' daughters from Yorkshire, to pe- stars of the West End stage in London, so it was, regardless of your age or your background, if you were needed, like I said before, to join this force to get a a bigger job done, then you had no choice really. It must have been quite a shock going from performing on
0: the West End to to being in a field milking a cow. <laughs> So the
1: book's due out imminently. uh, Let people know how they can get a hold of it. Yep, so obviously you will have the chance to buy it in any kind of high street bookstore or um, bookshop. But for now, you can uh, happily go and pre-order it on the Pen and Sword website, which is the history publisher I am uh, bringing it out with. And if people have stories to get in touch with you about, how should they do that? Uh, Yeah, that would be fantastic to hear from anybody who has has any stories to, to share with me. You can email me at emily.ashworth at agriconnect.com excellent Uh, well that's it for this week's
0: podcast do make sure you go and pick up a copy of emily's book once it's out we'll be back with another episode for you next friday thank you very much for listening and goodbye for now